Welcome to the Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I am Freddie Woff. Well, we're continuing with that Bert Worry. Bert Worry. Oh, man. That um, was his name, Bert Worry. <laughs> Bert Worry. Yeah. So uh, last week we had the end, and we prior to that we had Stick, and mixing it up, we wanted to do something a little bit different, and uh, we got him in... And a different kind of ensemble. He didn't bring his buddies along this time, even though Ned Baby. A few did. of them traveled yeah. to Canada. Not a few. But th- this, this week we have uh, another remake of the original play of the the front page, which is uh, before this had become what? Two different, three different movies, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, right. The front page twice. Twice. And then His Girl Friday. And then finally, switching channels. Uh, it's fun to have a little tie-in. Uh, you know, there's so much BTS to talk about with this movie. You know, Bert coming in to replace another actor, which we'll get into. But it was interesting. And with the first front page movie, first uh, film adaptation, was actually has Pat O'Brien in it, who played Bert's father last week on... In the end. In the end. So it's funny because I didn't realize it until I started poking around going, oh, geez, I had no idea because I haven't seen either one of them in a very long time. And it, what's funny is that Pat O'Brien basically plays Bert's love interest if this was, <laughs> uh, if you were to mix these movies up. Isn't that weird? Yes, because the, the the original play had, it was two guys as opposed to what we get in, in switching channels. And so they flip-flopped for his girl Friday and then they flipped it back again for the Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon version of Front Page in 1974. And they did what they did with His Girl Friday, went back to switch, for, for switching the channels and did the gender swap again. What's this say about this movie? It's 80s through and through. <laughs> oh, this movie, dude. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's funny because uh, I feel like it came out around the same time as broadcast news. Yeah. Uh, but it's it certainly isn't broadcast news. No. But it does have a lot of the same kind of, I mean, look-wise. I mean, look-wise, this movie looks great. I mean, the yeah. news, you know, the the uh, CNN of it all, SNN. Right. <laughs> Dude, like, and especially like growing up in the 80s, I mean, we used to, I used to watch a lot of crap on CNN, you know, when I was home. It, it was one of the, because it was new and you'd flip right. and it was 24-hour news. And, and they totally nailed that whole vibe of it. Right. Yeah, it's 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 an it's an odd movie. Yeah, it was such a new thing at that time, and I, I love how right. they they did they did the whole mix up by putting it in Chicago as opposed to being in Atlanta, which is okay. right because it, well, in the other three in the other three versions, they're newspapermen, right? Which makes so so right. the Chicago location makes total sense, right? Which and it's funny because we get one lone newspaper man in this movie played by <laughs> the fantastic Joe Silver. I think this was Joe Silver's last movie too. Yeah, but he he looks. Like a fucking newspaper man, right? Like if, you, if you were to Google newspaper man, Joe Silver's picture would pop up, uh, you know, and he, he's great in it. And I, and I didn't realize that it was his last film. Yeah, he's funny in it. But uh, and he even makes the comment, hey, I'm a newspaper man, which is, you know, kind of funny. Yeah. You know, when you're watching the opening credits for it, you see his name come up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, everybody's in this movie. And you're waiting for him and you're waiting for him and you're waiting for him. <laughs> he just doesn't. Right show up until what two thirds of the movie 
Yeah, I mean, he showed right. He shows up after she is gone to visit with Henry Gibson in the jail. Yeah, when she first comes to the thing, and then boom, then there's then we get all those guys, and really the only one I care about is Joe Silver. Right, right. The rest of them are just you know, and it's funny because you know they all look the part, especially for the time, you know, and right. and it's kind of cool that they're non recognizable actors, really, and then none of them are bad. No. Um, you know, they're all totally serviceable, but you know, he he stands out because again he looks like a fucking newspaper man from the 1930s right you know that big no that big bulbous nose and that you know <laughs> smoking the cigarette you know so it, it's funny that like after the first three versions of this movie uh jumping it into the present you know because even in, in 74 it was still a period movie like it was supposed to be 1940 1938 something like that mm-hmm. so yeah to jump it into the modern times and just go full bore again Kind of broadcast news-ish. Sure. What with a throwback to the madcap screwball comedies of the 30s. It, and it, 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 there's one thing to be said about this movie, since you just brought the, the, the madcap aspect of it. It's very uneven. The tone of the whole entire movie is so uneven. Uh, yes. The third act is very much the way you just described it. It's very much like that throwback. But the rest of it yeah. up to that point is like, what is this? It's weird, right? It's like uh, it again, we, like we talked about with this with with uh, the end. The tone is off. Yeah, I have my own theories on why the tone is off, and I'm sure you do as well. Yes, let's just get right to it. Yeah, Bert and Kathleen Turner did not like each other. No, not even a little bit. It's well known, and it's so obvious. <laughs> When you're watching the scenes with them in the with the scenes of them together, it's like it, it literally, man, it's it's some they might as well just be scratching chalkboards every time they open their mouths. I mean, it's just yeah. weird. And they've both have openly talked about the other person. You know, she flat out said, like, you know, working with Bert was the worst acting experience ever. He was awful. He made me cry. That says a lot. Now, if you think about that for a moment, that's what she said with a microphone in front of her into a camera. Right. Can you imagine how bad it really was? Yeah, right. <laughs> She's still talking about it in that level. Right. And Bert was the same way. Now, there was like a week ago, right? Wasn't it about a week ago that I've, I I unearthed that interview, that raw interview of him doing, a uh, Bert doing a presser with, I forget what the entertainment journalist's name was, somebody that he was very familiar with, somebody that, that was like a- Rona Barrett. Like a Rona Barrett, right. And he was his usual charming self. And she can, can, clearly was completely in love with the guy. You know, very, you know, she was very affected by his charms and she was raving about the movie and everything. He seemed to be very complimentary of her. Of course, this was at a time where neither one of them was said anything negative about the other one. It wasn't until years later where they would be very open about, uh, at least a little more open about their experience. But like you said, that when they're on screen together, even knowing... <laughs> Even not knowing what we know and have read recently and and have watched videos for, you could see it no matter what. And what makes it even more noticeable is when they're not in scenes together. Right. When Kathleen Turner in probably his most handsome ever, Christopher Reeve, when they're, when they are at that, at at that vacation spot together, when they first meet, it's like going, why can't we watch the rest of them? Why can't this be the rest of the movie? Yeah. Right. Like, where is let's just, let's just, let's just drop the fucking, <laughs> the, uh, the pending execution and, and let's just follow <laughs> these two. Cause I mean, whatever they're doing is way more interesting. And I, yeah. and I believe, and I feel like they actually like each other. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that's funny is they both Kathleen Turner and Christopher Reeve signed on because 
the Burt Reynolds character, John Sully Sullivan in this was originally cast. It was a uh, Michael Caine was originally cast in the, in the part. And ironically, <laughs> because he was stuck in the Bahamas making Jaws the Revenge, he couldn't get back to switch, to, to make switching channels. So the, he was replaced with Burt. Yeah. That's, that would suck to be somebody like Christopher Reeves 10 years after making Superman. And uh, Well, he'd worked with Kane on Death Trap. That's right. why he signed on. Why like, he wanted to do it. And Kathleen Turner. This is, yeah, this is a, and after Romancing the Stone. And, right. you know, she was, she, well, dude, Pritzi's Honor. Right. All of, you know, all of that. You know, she was riding high, man. Right. And this was. Yeah, like, you know, Burt was like the odd man out here. Like, I feel like he had the most to gain for this movie being a hit. And it's right. just weird that I, I, who knows like there's there's a comment from Bert where he says that the most overrated actress in the last 50 years was Kathleen Turner actor at bar none like male female I mean I read that and I was like Jesus Christ <laughs> that's fucking rough have you looked in the mirror Bert uh, because <laughs> yeah I mean well it's weird man because the, the thing I'm going to say about this movie is Bert I don't know what you know it's funny because this movie, it really pales in comparison. It's hard. I, I tried not to compare it with His Girl Friday, which is an all-time classic yeah. dialogue. I mean, just the, the, the repartee back and forth and all of that stuff, man. But, man, it's so weird because I'm not sure what Bert is playing, you know, if he's trying to do Cary Grant or, or uh, you know, or if he, I don't know. Or he's just kind of doing Bert. And I'm not sure. The scenes that he's not in with Kathleen, he's, I buy it, but it's like, it's yeah. just any scene of the two of them together, man, it's just, you could feel the anger. Yeah. It, it's really bizarre. I know Cary Grant was somebody he idolized a great deal. It's funny when you look at, make the comparison to his girl Friday, it's the easiest comparison to make because it's the one where the genders line up with the characters. Yeah. I could, Kathleen Turner and, you know, and the Rosalind Russell, I can make the comparison there easily. Yeah. But the Cary Grant to Burt Reynolds, I, I just don't see the performance there. You know, I, I like you said, I, I feel like Burt is being Burt as opposed to being Sully. I feel like he's not really being, <laughs> he's definitely not Cary Grant's Walter Burns. That's for sure. And I just don't, I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't, like you said, it doesn't feel believable. Right. It doesn't. When, when he's with his own people, like in, you know, the people who are from at the at SNN, Okay, I get that. That's the very that's the broadcast news aspect of it, right? But I don't know. Like you said, it, it, he's a he's very different once she shows up. You know, once she's in his you know back you know back from her vacation after running her ragged and sending her everywhere, being his star reporter for their you know the again like you that point like you pointed out the CNN of it all. One of the things that kind of threw me off, and I had again I hadn't watched this. The way you were with the end, that's the way I was with this. I don't think I've seen it, but one time, and it was probably in 89 when the movie hit VHS. I don't. I know I didn't see it in the theater. When you get to the end of the movie, oh, yeah, that's how this ends. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, how do you not feel bad for Christopher Reeves' character in this, man? You know? Oh, right, dude. And, you know... Of course, like, you know, it's funny because in the, uh, in His Girl Friday, Bellamy is played as way more of a mom, you know, as a mama's boy and, right. you know, and, and we don't mind Cary Grant being kind of 
Because we, well, because Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell, they still, they still love each other. Right. You could tell. Right. Uh, there's none of that here. And you, and you want her to leave Bert because he's such a dick and just, right. uh, and just head off into the sunset with Christopher Reeve, which is weird. But, you know, Christopher Reeve apparently was embarrassed by his uh, performance in this movie. And I don't think he has anything to be embarrassed for. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, he's, he's like the best part of this movie. I think so. I, I, the supporting cast, like you talked about earlier, not just the, not the news reporters, but I brought them up earlier. You know, Bert's immediate uh, uh, employees, they're, they're all really good. But taught, that was really slap. That stuff was good with the super slapsticky yeah. stuff. Yes. That, that group of people, again, but like you were talking about tone earlier, that, that's the uneven tone. Right. They're in one movie. Yeah. When you watch the beginning of the movie, watch the, all the nutty shit they're doing. What's his face climbing up on the dish and jumping up and down on the dish to get their signal back? That doesn't pan with the rest of the movie. No. <laughs> Until the third act where it goes back to that again. Right. Where everybody's kind of running around and turns into like a French farce in that uh, courthouse building right. where, you know, big wide shots of the staircase and people like Benny Hilling one way and then, you know, blow the, you know, running around with Ned Beatty. It felt like a poor man's uh, Marx Brothers. Yes. It just didn't feel right. It just felt like you said, it's like we're saying, super uneven and tone was all over the place. Uh, let's go back to what you were saying earlier about Ralph Bellamy's character. You know, you're no kidding. He was a mama's boy. Because you know, he live with his mom, right? <laughs> if I remember that right. He yeah. He lived with his mom. It was exactly. And Chris Reeves' character was kind of like a self-made dude. He was a successful boarding goods man. You know, that's, he made his, he created his business from the ground up. and Bachelor of the year. Yeah. What's, what's his line in there? The you know, only thing I read in the news is if it's a financial section, right? He doesn't read yeah. sports or right. anything like that. It kind of says who he is. I mean, obviously vacationing by himself the way he does and how they meet at the beginning of the movie. I don't, he has nothing to be embarrassed about. I think he might be no. more leaning on the experience that he had. Possibly. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, you know, having to referee your co-stars and, you know, keep the peace. Right. Super drag. It's funny, man. It, it's very much like his character in Noises Off, yeah. who has to keep the peace between John Ritter and Carol Burnett <laughs> and everybody else. <laughs> and he gets, what does he get for his trouble? He gets nosebleeds. Yeah, um, nosebleeds. Yeah, man. Noises Off. I love Reeve. He's great. Yeah. He, you know, he was a super good looking dude who also had excellent comic uh, chops. And you got that from Superman forward. Yeah. You got, no messing around, dude. He was so, he, he was so great. I had to say, in, when you have your introduction to him in this movie, Somehow, <laughs> Kathleen Turner inadvertently sets his uh, American Express card on fire, and he turns around. Is it weird seeing him stand? Yes. It, 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 it's your mind growing up with him. He's Superman, dude. He's as much Superman as George Reeves is Superman. You know, I can't shake that image of him being in that wheelchair and, and, and what's weird is like, uh, you know, there's not been anybody in, in the Superman films that have come since I, none of those guys stand out to me. Like oh. when I see him in other movies, I don't see them as Superman. No. Yeah. It's always going to be Chris Reed for me. And you know, Brandon Routh, who did the, the one that was supposed to be like Superman 2.5. And basically he's playing Christopher Reeve. He's not being Superman. He's playing Christopher Reeve. That's why they cast him because how much he looked like him. He was okay. I like Brandon Routh. Okay. I like him in other stuff, but like you said, they were trying to be that because even the studio recognized that that's Chris, Christopher Reeve is Superman. So when you see him going forward and anything else, you're always going, oh, cool. Let's see what Superman's doing this time. But after the accident, it's hard to look at him and, and other things and not think about it. I, I, I forgot about it quickly 
once I kind of got, I get reminded about it and it's a drag, but he, like you said, he's the best thing about the movie. Like you noted the scenes without Bert and Kathleen Turner together work. They function well. Yeah. It's just that when you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, this could have been such a, I feel like this could have been a fucking excellent pilot for a fucking pretty good TV series. Yes. I completely agree with that. <laughs> right. I mean, it's kind of like, I feel like everybody's on board and, you know, Kachif, Ted Kachif, who directed this, you know, along with some other stuff like that we've talked about first blood and uncommon valor and, you know, several other things has very light. And I think he started in TV possibly, but if they would make this now, this would be like a two hour pilot. And then, you know, we didn't need to get a TV series. And that's kind of what it feels like for the most part. It feels like a very upscale TV version of broadcast news, <laughs> like broadcast news, theatrical. This has a lot of very TV kind of vibe to it, even down to the casting. And I'm not knocking on the actors. Uh, it just, it feels like this could have been a pilot um, for a show. Interesting you say that because. Do you remember the, the the series with Kelsey Grammer and Patricia Heaton called Back to You? It came out like 2008, somewhere around there. Yeah, totally. There's so many elements of that show reminded me of any of the variations of this, but mostly switching channels. And I didn't think about it until I watched the movie. I'm like, this reminds me of that Kelsey Grammer thing. The, the difference is, of course, they're both on-screen anchors. So I uh, guess it's a little more like Anchorman in that respect, but it has enough of that, you know, his girl Friday switching channels aspect to it. Where I mean, they had a relationship; they were a couple. So you could you could you could see easily somebody Steve Levitan is the one, and James Burroughs. They're the ones that came up with the Back to You series. They're the ones that created it. Yep. There's no way they didn't have, they weren't influenced by any of those other movies that came before it. Oh, from sure. Front, the front page and any derivatives of it. Absolutely. Because it feels just like it. But like you said, yep. I could see this now. I could see switching channels being something on series. Sure, man. That's like Amazon or Netflix kind of thing yeah. or, or, you know, one of those streaming, <laughs> one of the, you know, one of the newer streaming services. One of those. You know, Paramount, somebody. Yeah. We talked about. What did we talk about with Ted? We talked about Ted for, what was it? Uncommon Valor, right. Well, I mean, he also directed Weekend at Bernie's right around this. I think, I think he was just this. coming yeah. right after this. So yeah. he was the only one. I mean, and I don't know, depending on what your take on Weekend at Bernie's is, it's either a hit or it's terrible, like it's a disaster. But uh, I mean, I feel like the crowd is split. Everybody I know has seen Weekend at Bernie's. So was it a flop i don't know but he he can he can do some good stuff i mean that yeah you know folks tom Selleck and don amici sure for anybody that was affected has had somebody in their life that had dementia or alzheimer's i didn't know that aspect of the movie when i saw it and it's not that part of it's not funny it's very it's very it's brutal to watch and it was weird too because tom Selleck like shaved his mustache off for it right <laughs> just bizarre He's trying to look like Don Amici. <laughs> right. That works, right? Don Amici, man. Ted, like you, like you noted, he's done some things that worked and didn't work. I mean, switching channels, you know, it didn't fare well at, at the box office. And which is surprising. Like we talked about before, Kathleen Turner was like right in the meaty part of her career as far as bringing people into the seats. Right. I mean, do, I mean, yeah, I mean, he did fun with Dick and Jane and North Dallas 40, which I talked about last week on mm -hmm. Kickstart. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not like he understands how comedy should work. It's just, uh, I think his feuding stars are what kind of short circuit this movie yeah. because you just don't ever buy them. 
you don't want them to get back together. You literally, you want her and Christopher Reeve to leave. <laughs> like, right. And leave Bert there eating Domino's pizza with his weird Reebok nursing shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many weird moments in this, you know, coming from the front page being a play. And when you're watching certain aspects of this movie, you can feel the play aspect of it. Yeah, you can see absolutely the swing sets. You can kind of see how it would work. But other times you're like going, it just feels like, right. Hey, look, we got money and we can step outside off the stage. Let's go do that. And it feels too forced. Yeah, absolutely. Like it feels like they only go outside to remind you you're supposed to be in Chicago. Oh my God. Yes, totally. Right. I I don't want to uh, uh, ignore the fact that, you know, when Ned Beatty, Ned Beatty like is almost not in this movie until the third act. And then he's in there. Sure. To the point where I think he's in there more than Christopher Reeve at that point. Yeah. It's like Reeve hands the baton to Beatty and says, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah. And and then Bird is mostly not in the third act. It's mostly right. Kathleen the whole time. Yep. Now, I don't recall. I, I, it makes me not recall the, the the other movies very much to see if, to recall if there was that much separation with two leads. Uh, not so, not really in, uh, not really in, uh, his Girl Friday. I mean, I'm mostly familiar with His Girl Friday. I've seen both of the versions of the front page once or, or so, but I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen His Girl Friday a lot. No, you get, a, there's a lot more back and forth with uh, Hildy and uh, Burns um, in the, in that particular film. And they share a lot of screen time because it, you know, they were the stars and they had a good chemistry and that's what made the movie work. Cause it's by far better than both versions of the front page. I'm not surprised that Cary Grant had, had good chemistry with anybody. Right. Totally. Right. I mean, it's Cary Grant. So uh, it makes me wonder though, do you think, do you think Ted, because of the situation with Bert and Kathleen that he change things up because there really was no chemistry and, and just let her, because I mean, possibly, I mean, who's to say, and, you know, uh, we don't know how deep all that behind the scenes stuff, maybe right. Reynolds just said, I'm not doing this with her. So I'm not working with her today. So, you know, who knows? They had to rewrite. I don't know. But the third act definitely feels like it's from another, you know, again, it turns it to a farce, like, you know, dah, 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 and it turns into Benny Hill uh, <laughs> at times, you right. know, the, the crazy DA, his, his Henry, Henry Gibson's lawyer suddenly jumping out of a window and, yeah, you know, and all that stuff is in the other versions, sort of. Yeah. But yeah, it just turns weird. It just, it, it goes off the rails a little bit. That scene with the Xerox machine. Good God. Oof. Did, did, did that go forever? Yes. I kept thinking to myself, I go, poor Henry Gibson, man. <laughs> right? I hope he's not in there. If you look at that whole sequence between Ike's escape from the electric chair all the way until Bert shows up, or at least when, when she picks up the phone to call him, say, come down to the, down to the press room, that, that, that time, I mean, what is that, like 12 minutes? Something like that. Something, an obnoxious amount of time of screen time. Dude, it was, it was where I checked to see how much of the fucking movie was left. I was like, oh God, I don't remember this being that. And I was like, okay. Uh, oh, wow. All right. Yeah. And what I say to you this morning, this movie is 20 minutes too long. And 12 of them involved that Xerox machine. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's so terrible, man. It's like, and it, 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 you didn't know anybody else. If you walked into this movie at the point of... The electric chair scene, like when when all the press gathers at the prison to watch this happen. From that point until she picks up the phone to call Bert, would you even know what movie you're watching? If you know, would you think this was a Kathleen Turner just, movie? 
She just stumbled in. Yeah. Like then that's just she hey, what's this Kathleen Turner movie? Oh, Bert's in this? Oh, wait, Christopher Reeves in this? It's so weird. And the poor cutaways, man. Like to show Chris Reeves at the train station. Oh yeah, man. Just to remind you that he's in it. Right. Just for <laughs> hey, he is still here. <laughs> You pointed out something uh, last week when you watched it was Bert's hair. Yeah, man. There's a, it's not a secret that Bert wore a wig, but this is really the most obvious of the films we've watched where it's like, that's a wig. (laughs) And I don't, maybe again, you, you gotta be looking at that in camera and being like, somebody fix that. Right. Cause there's a point where he turns around, man. You could see the seam on the back, man. You could see where it, uh, you know, where it drops in. Like, just get in there with a brush, fix that shit. Especially in the press room. Yes. When he turns and you could see the waves of the the piece and how it just, it's separate from the back of his neck. It's obvious. Yeah. This was a multi-million dollar movie. It should have been taken care of. Right. It's distracting. He's a, he's a handsome dude and he's been, you know, he was like at that point. Yeah. Bert was 52, I think yeah. when they, sh- when this, well, when it came out 50 or 50, so he's probably 50 when they shot it. It came out 87, right? So yeah. he's 51. But they weren't believable together. No. Not, they weren't believable as two people that, that secretly still love each other. <laughs> Not even a little bit. No. And I, yeah, you know, for the most part, I feel like this is Bert's. Bert, I mean, I'm going to say ego tripping kind of vibe. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I feel like this is all, I feel like there's two Burt Reynolds, pre-Smokey the Bandit, post-Smokey the Bandit. And then finally at, down the road, 20 years after that, you know, then then he started doing interesting uh, things again that weren't so sticky. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just, he developed like a character or a shtick that just, you know, that, that silly laugh that everyone loves so much, which he does oh. at the end of this movie for some goddamn reason, <laughs> once it goes to black and then you get that laugh and it's like, oh. Yeah, when the volcano blows up. Right, which they set up poorly the, earlier in the movie. Right. I had almost forgotten about it by the time it happened. I was like, oh yeah, right, right. This is what happened last time they were here. Again, this is, uh, you know, a, a satellite, or I shouldn't say, ca- it's a cable news station, but I still think it's funny that it's called Satellite News Network, but it's a cable news station. Doesn't really sure. <laughs> but what they did was, and they thought they were trying to be cute about it, that when the two of them were on the beach in Hawaii at the end and the volcano blows up, and he does his laugh. They do that pause, and then it's colored like it's a newspaper. Yep. Now, they're obviously trying to play homage to all the movies that came before it. Right. It, it's out of place. But if you don't know, if you don't know the source material, then you don't, you don't get the relationship to it. Like, wait, I thought this, I thought they worked in television. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's a weird, it, it, it definitely was an homage to the front page, right. you know, and this, this was kind of the beginning of the end for newspapers, even before the internet came along, you know, cable news, man, 24 hour news. What do you need a newspaper for? I mean, yeah, I remember all, I, I remember my parents about the time that they stopped getting the Visalia Times Delta because, uh, hey man, CNN's on just, you know, yeah. I'll just sit glued in front of the TV all day. <laughs> and the thing is they're taking constant shots at newspapers. Like we talked about with Joe Silver's character earlier, they're just beating that. I mean, they beat a dead horse quite a bit with that whole thing, especially when they're in the press room, just beating the shit out of them about it. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought it was kind of cute though. Like we go back to the, the, the printer scene with Henry Gibson being shoved in there. I thought it was cute that that's how he escaped, that the television people used the newspaper man's main tool to help him right. escape. 
I thought that was clever. But again, you got the people involved. They're not stupid people. They just had, unfortunately, they had two stars that didn't get along and it affected production. Well, it's funny because it doesn't seem to have affected any of the other, the supporting cast. Cause no. like, like you said earlier, like all of the, you know, all the people that work like her news team, the guys in the studio, all great. That's what I'm saying is this would have made a fucking great TV show. Cause I would like to see those characters weekly. It, it kind of reminded me of 30 rock, right? <laughs> you know, like what would these people be like, you know, if we saw them weekly, you know, but again, we didn't get that. We got this, which uh, is funny. It, it's not a terrible movie. No. It's just disjointed. And, you know, again, it suffers from, you know, from the two actors feuding and it, it, it just never seems cohesive right. is my biggest problem with it. Playing the governor. I don't want to ignore this. Um, and Charles Kimbrough plays the, the governor in this. Tying into the whole February, he's most notably known for playing Jim Dial on Murphy Brown. So there's our little tie-in to the first movie of our series, A Stick, and Candy Bergen being in that, and of course, Murphy. And I, I just thought that was funny that during this time, when he made the, when he did this movie, when he did Switching Channels, Murphy Brown was in its first season when it came out. Um, it came out before that. So I thought that was interesting that he ended up getting a part on Murphy Brown. Right. After, you know, it was probably one of those things. Burt probably said something kind about him to Candace Bergen and then he got the job. Because before that, dude, he didn't do anything. He did like one-offs right. of like on Kojak or Spencer for Hire. You know, he, he didn't do very much before that. And then there he was again, you know, doing his, doing his thing. Right. You can see, you know, th there's a little bit, not quite as much of, you know, the Burt gang. Cause we got Beatty here and, you know, mm -hmm. Ned Beatty and Reynolds school back at least to deliverance. And then several times after that, but the rest of the cast, you know, outside of, uh, but I'm sure like Kimbrough, I'm sure that there maybe was some discussion between him and Candace Bergen. And that is how, you know, Hey, oh, he's a great guy to work with. I was just looking at the rest of this cast you know, a lot of them are just Canadian television, but like Henry Gibson, you know, to genre fan, I mean, I'm just going to throw out the burbs, Yeah, <laughs> but he's in inner space. Mm -hmm. He was working a lot at this point in the eighties, yeah. you know, playing these kind of goofy goofball characters. I mean, I'll never forget him from the blues brothers. <laughs> right. So it's really bizarre, man. Like you got your three big stars, then you got Beatty and Gibson and then everybody else. Is just their faces that you know mm. now. Some of them, you some of me knew then. My question for you um, is: This a better movie with Michael Caine? Yeah, I texted you this morning about it. I don't know if it is a better movie with Michael Caine. I think it's a it's going to be a different movie. I, I think we both have suggested that maybe some scenes were rewritten or completely changed because of the the, the disagreement between the two leads. And when you consider that. <laughs> the two leads that aren't Burt Reynolds in this signed on to work with Michael Caine specifically, you have to wonder how different of a movie you would have got. Um, you mentioned the Burbs reminding me of something. And that is a lot of studios at this point were trying to jam movies in before the inevitable writer strike oh, right. that yep, came yep. in March of 88. And Burbs was specifically affected by it. Um, and I have to think, when, considering when this movie came out, I think they were in a race to get this thing out too. And I think they didn't care, but it was kind of by any means necessary to get it out there because we're not going to have any, who knows how long this strike's going to go on for. And it went on for five months, something like that. Yeah, some, close to that. 
Five, almost six months, I think. Yeah. That's a long fucking time. That it is. And it affected the business, the, 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 the entire business, not just movies, but television in a big way. I have to think that that had some effect on it too, but is it better? Well, look, there's never been a movie where I haven't found Michael Caine charming. Even when he's playing a badass, I still think he's, he commands the screen in a way that Bert was inconsistent with. Is it better movie? Um, gotta say, yeah, it's going to be different for sure. Not just because he's in yeah, it, but just the right. way the whole movie would probably be carried out would be different. Yeah, and, and again, I don't want to take. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I wasn't there. I mean, I love. I love Bert. I like Kathleen Turner. So I don't know what the genesis of their thing is. Nor do I care to guess. No. Um, but yeah, it, it it's definitely affects this movie because yeah. this movie on paper should have been a slam dunk because Bert does have a lot of those sort of qualities. But I feel like he was, you know, he was playing to his persona rather than acting you know what i'm saying i mean rather than being true to what the role was i felt like he was just kind of yeah i don't know there's a little phoning in but again who knows maybe going to work every day was awful um, for both sides so who knows it's funny though that that, that kane they had both signed on to work with kane that's why i ask if you know is this a better movie with kane because they had well at least uh, reeve and kane had worked together i don't know about turner and kane but who knows, man? It could have been the same thing. Could have been, you know, Michael Caine was making Jaws the Revenge <laughs> at this moment. So, you know, what would you have rather had, this with Michael Caine or Jaws the Revenge? Let me ask you that question. <laughs> There's something to ponder. You know, we we talked about before about about people taking a paycheck for the sake of, I mean, I mean there's sure there's a, there's getting a paycheck and there's I get to film in the Bahamas the whole time. So you didn't really. <laughs> Correct. Well, and, you know, I think that movie probably, uh, didn't Michael Caine say that they paid him, uh, the money that they paid him for Jaws Revenge was more than he had made in the other three films that he made in uh, 87, I think. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, <laughs> uh, look, dude, I ain't throwing stones. No. I'm just, I'm just saying, I love Jaws the Revenge. I think it's fucking, I think it's horrible, but in the best way possible. Right. And I don't think that switching channels is horrible in the best way possible. It's okay. And ultimately forgettable. Like having not seen it in 25 years or so, right. barely remembered anything about it other than I knew the story from His Girl Friday. Yeah. yeah. Kathleen Turner and Michael Keane didn't work together, but they rehearsed this movie. Right. So they did. He, she had already had that experience. She, she signed on to work with them. And she actually yeah. had an opportunity to do that. Man, I really wish these days there'd be videotape of that. Oh yeah, man. They'd have, yeah, exactly. There'd be fucking archival footage of their rehearsals and, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting to see what could have been. I mean, they obviously were going after the broadcast news audience with this, you know. I mean, this is a, what a year after Weird, broadcast yeah. news. Right, right. But even the poster art, you know, you look at that poster. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting too to to note that one of the reasons why they you know isn't just the writer strike too, but they pushed they could have pushed, but she was pregnant ah, and so because of that, you know <laughs> she had you know right. she had a stop date and he didn't <laughs> so with Michael King right so he they could have come back around if she you know if she wasn't going to be showing very soon. It also explains a little bit about the obvious limited physical stuff that she does. There's times where there's some running going on, but it's clearly not her. 
Oh, you mean that's not her that flips that stock car? No. Can you believe it? Shocking. When that happens, by the way, the, the, the first thing I thought was, I'm like, all right, what, who, which Stroke one of Brooks Stunt Friends did that? <laughs> I thought it was some footage from Stroke Race. <laughs> they do uh, it. Lost, a lost scene. I hadn't seen the movie in so long that I thought, wait, is Burke going to get out now? Is this is what burke has been doing while she's running around doing all this reporting. <laughs> I, I didn't remember. Yeah, right. Me neither. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then she comes crawling out. I was like, oh, uh, right, right, I, right, right. I think Ted was kind of making a making a goof a little bit on Bert because, I mean, I immediately thought Bert was the one that's going to get out of the car, too. So, yeah, you know, they're playing on, you know, like that would have been a nice thing to show like Bert while he's also into the new, you know, but again, what it, I mean, I, I know what yeah. they were, you know, they were trying to stick to the. And I feel there's points where you, I feel like Bert's trying to deliver his dialogue, Cary Grant-esque. Yeah. And it's just not working. No. Not a terrible movie to revisit, but no. we've already seen Smoking the Bandit a hundred times. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> we touched on this briefly about, I want to say it was during the end and a little bit during Stick. I think this is one of those movies that humbled him a little bit. As far as how it was received? Yeah. I mean, and I feel like at, right after this, he started making, well, he went on to do Evening Shea, but I feel like the when he did features, he was a little more choosy mm-hmm. and they were a little more interesting because uh, I really like Breaking In, which I think came out in 89. There's a lot of those other like, you know, Malone and Rent-A-Cop and Cop and a Half. Is Cop that, that's Bert, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those, those goofy concepty comedy things things just didn't work. You know, Bert, to me, Bert was always best when he played like a character, like, you know, like Gator McCluskey or Paul Crew from The Longest Yard. And while, yes, he does have good comedic timing and delivery in stuff that, but not in broad comedy, man. No. That's, that's kind of my takeaway from what we've watched so far in February. And I think you're right. I think this Sort of, you know, people being like, fuck you, keep that movie. You know, he was kind of like, oh, shit, yeah, man, what? it really is kind of, the, you know, it's getting down to it. I haven't had a hit movie since, fuck, I don't know, 1980 since was Sharky, like Sharky's Machine was that was, I mean, I guess things like The Man Who Loved Women made money. And it was, you know, I, I forgot that was a Blake Edwards movie. Right. Is it definitely is, you know, it's 10 year run. It was 10 years. This was right around 10 years after Smoking the Bandit. You know, I feel like. From Smokey up until about Stroke Race, <laughs> you know, then everything just kind of like, because Stroke Race isn't good. I don't mean that, but I like, I love Best Little Horse in Texas. I, I know that it was kind of a critical flop as well, but that doesn't mean it's not an enjoyable movie. This, the critics didn't tear it apart. They weren't super kind to it, but it's not, well, not a terrible movie. It's, it's not terribly enjoyable, I guess, is my overall walk away take from this. Right. You know, and it's too bad because they had all the ingredients. Yeah. And I'm glad that he went through what he went through seemingly anyway, that because evening shade, like we discussed was, was, was fun. It was good. It was enjoyable. And it's, he seemed to be having fun again. Yeah. That's something else too, about this movie. He doesn't seem like he's having fun. Nope. Not at all, man. That's it. Like I said earlier, it looks like every coming to work every day was a fucking drag. And it's just like, (laughs) Couldn't shake it, you know? Yeah. Nobody's that good of an actor when you're no. in in, in, a, in that space, so. But, uh, hey, man, Febbert Wary. Febbert Wary. It's still Burt Reynolds, you know. Yeah. Again, there are Burt movies that are way worse than this, Stroke Race being one of them. But uh, this movie, 
if you haven't seen it and you're like, you and you want to see everything Burt Reynolds, you can do way worse than this. I mean, it, it it's not unenjoyable. It's just weird and oddly tone wise. The scenes when Bert is in with other people, there's some, yeah, again, you, you watch it and you tell me what you think. I yeah. mean, or don't just take my word for it. <laughs> I, I wish this movie was a little more accessible without you know, a rental. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to, yeah. but maybe that's, maybe that's okay. And maybe, you know, this is all that needs to be said about it. Is it better than I remembered it? I want to say I didn't really remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super familiar with the storyline through His Girl Friday. So I think most of my goodwill toward this movie was carried over from His Girl Friday. Mm. Even when I saw it back in the day. But I don't remember disliking it, and I don't dislike it now. I just think that ultimately it doesn't really work, and you should watch His Girl Friday. Yeah, it's on Prime. And that's where I'm leaving it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so if you want to see this movie... It's available on all the streaming services. It's only like four bucks to rent. Yeah. You know, if you have a love for Christopher Reeve or Kathleen Turner, heck, even Bert. I mean, this is February. Yeah. Maybe you'll experience what we experienced. Maybe you'll enjoy the movie. Maybe you don't see the unevenness in it. Maybe you, maybe you want to see how poor the chemistry was. Who knows? Some people like to, you know, what's the, what's the line again that Michael Caine has in The Dark Knight? Some people just want to watch the world burn. Absolutely. Well, watch the world burn with the chemistry of Burt Reynolds and Kathleen Turner in Switching Yes, if you're one of those people, this is your movie. (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, we got one more movie after this for February. Yeah. It looks good. I already got a little, I haven't watched it yet, but I got a little sneak preview for check for the quality of the video. It looks pretty good as far as the age of the movie. We'll probably, maybe we'll let you know during Kickstart next week. Yeah, we'll give you a little teaser. A little tease, because I think it's once it's a little more, uh, less readily available. It's easily it's easily accessible, but it's just not streaming anywhere. It's not right. hard to it's not hard to find if you're willing to pay the money for it. Yep, exactly. Anyway, if you want to follow us on Letterbox, I'm at Corey underscore cult. But if you want to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. It's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow me on Letterbox, you can follow me at Tom Cody. That's Tom Cody. Like Kodiak, but not Kodiak, Cody. Or you can follow me in the month of February at Sharky's Machine at Letterboxd. All those things. All of it. <laughs> Febbert Wary. Febbert Wary. Bert wary. That doesn't mean be wary. It just means Bert wary. <laughs> just be be Bert wary when you watch switching channels. <laughs>